Well, 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 boys and girls, I guess. Girls, boys. Uh, first solo rant at the new apartment. Excuse me, the new studio, because that's what this is. It's a studio. It's a studio. Okay, maybe this is a partitioned off part of my bedroom with with moving blankets hung from the ceiling and, and uh, you know, this weird kind of... Uh, who, it's weird geometric. It looks good here. You don't see the shit show that is around here. Um, guest, uh, guest bailed. Um, I'm guessing something popped up because he's a reliable guest. So hope everything's all right with him. But um, schedule's tight, so I can't jump around and not have people showing up. So we're going to start on a solo rant. Was not planning on a solo rant, which I guess is the truest of solo rants. Because when I plan on a solo rant... When I set aside a day for a solar rant, it's normally because there's a thought, there's a thought of brewing, but, uh, there are no thoughts brewing. So, um, that's a lie. Actually, I have been thinking about, I don't know what the, for all the new listeners, what is a solar rant? A solar rant is where, it's where I don't have a guest, but, uh, the original one, I think episode 29, there have since been like 15 or 20 of them are, uh, they're, uh, they're when I, they respond from when a guest doesn't show up and I don't have any topics to talk about. So I do what I'm doing right now and I just start talking. I don't know where it's going. I don't know how it will end. Maybe they go for five minutes. Maybe they go for two hours. I don't know. We're just going for a walk, going for a verbal walk. We don't know where we're going. The listeners don't know. The person that knows the least is me, but we're already walking. So we're going to keep walking. I had on Mr. David Stumpf last week, as well as last month. He's the author of Titan II, A History of a Cold War Missile Program, as well as Minuteman. Uh, I think Minuteman Three, another Cold War ICBM program. And in that episode, we talked about Sprint ABM. What is the Sprint ABM? The Sprint ABM, anti-ballistic missile, off the top of my head, it was a missile, it was a late stage, it was like last ditch ICBM interception. Okay, so you'd maybe have something that could intercept missiles at the height of their, what is it, apogee, when they're outside of orbit. Um, you could have them kind of, I think, intercept them when they kind of just started coming back in the atmosphere. And then you had the Sprint ABM. The Sprint ABM was for, I mean, you got to remember. So when these when these reentry vehicles are coming in, they're coming in at around, I want to say five kilometers a second. I could be wrong. There's really not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of time, right? It's like, it's like we have like air traffic control. We have the FAA. We have NORAD. But by the time you see that hijacked plane barreling over Central Park, like you can pick up the phone. First of all, who, who are you going to call, Ghostbusters? I mean, what are you going to do? You can call call the cops if you, even if you could get through to. Let's say somehow you. Let's say you are the president and you have the direct line to NORAD. There are a whole bunch of conspiratorial connotations with that. <laughs> there on nine eleven. But let's say you had. Let's say you were a general. Let's say you're the secretary secretary of the Air Force. Even if you could directly call NORAD, I mean, you know, the plane's moving at 500 miles an hour and you're looking at it and it's on one end of Manhattan Island and the World Trade Centers are right here. I mean, it's moving so fast that, again, what do you, you know, you don't call the cops when the person's breaking into your house. You call the cops when they're threatening you, maybe stalking you. By the time they're coming into the house, you better have a shotgun, right? So, um... Sprint ABM was kind of the last, right? We had the several stages. I mean, first is obviously diplomacy. Um, buy my merch, everybody. Fucking support the podcast. Um, so, but Sprint ABM was this last line of defense. And the initial plan was, it's kind of like how, uh, what was it? Civil, not, I always, it, I always forget the name of it. Civil defense, civil Civil prep. What was the 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 agency like that was for you know duck and cover? Go build a bunker in your backyard. 
civil defense. I don't think it was. Was it civil defense? I always, of all the things I can rattle off the top of my head, the one thing I can never remember was the name of the, that goddamn agency. Was it civil defense? Civil defense. Civil defense. Cold War. Oh, I think it was. I think it was civil defense. It was civil defense. So just like civil defense, where we started it, we were like, all right, if there's a, if there's a nuclear, if we're going to go through nuclear war, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to put, you know, you're going to want to go into your bunker. You're going to, and as, as it moved from bombers to missiles to SLBMs four and five minutes off the coast, Eisenhower very quickly started to realize like civil defense is, uh, you know, it's like they dropped the oxygen masks from the top of the plane and it was at Fight Club. They put it on because it said it it puts you at ease, not because it actually helps you. That's what civil defense was. Civil defense was the oxygen masks came down from the ceiling, but both wings were missing, and you're over the Atlantic at midnight in the winter. <laughs> like it's 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 for. I mean, I guess noble in that sense, maybe. So it doesn't feel like all is lost. It's kind of like what Tim Dillon and Ray Kump said about. Uh, after Trump won the election, they're like, listen, the plane that is America is going into the mountainside. Trump's trying really hard to turn around and it's, it's, it's not working, you know, Hillary, you know, she would have, whatever. They're like, you know, Jeb, Jeb would have still put it into the mountain, but he would have banked it just in enough of a way that you didn't even see the mountain. You'd be eating dinner you know, the seatbelt sign would be off. Maybe they got an Adam Sandler movie up there. You wouldn't even see the mountain. Just done. That's kind of what civil defense was. So Sprint ABM was supposed to uh, be put around outside of all major cities. And very quickly they realized that that wasn't feasible. One, I mean money. But two, even if you did, it's it's like what Curtis uh, LeMay used to say when... um. You know, he was the head of the bombing campaigns in um in uh ba, 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 in Japan. And I wanna say he headed them in Europe as well. Could be wrong on that. He said one bomber always gets through, which wasn't always enough to complete the mission in World War Two, dropping dumb bombs, but as it as we moved to uh fission bombs and then fusion bombs, LeMay always said, I only need one of my bombers to get through. Well, it's a it's a double-sided uh, coin, right? Or a double-edged sword. I mean, what f- sword is single-edged? Uh, I guess like a cleaver. Point is, is that even if we put all these Sprint ABM batteries or whatever the fuck they'd be around cities, a noble cause indeed. I mean, one, I, every single city, What is what is the cutoff of? Of, of cities what you know is there a popular we can't do it around every inhabited area is it just new york is it new york la new york la boston dc atlanta dallas chicago seattle what, what's the cutoff what are the city limits furthermore even if you put 10 batteries of these out around new york sink i don't know how much money let's just We'll call it a billion. If one re-entry vehicle gets in, the whole investment is is for nothing. So, just like civil defense, that's why we had the relocation arc. That's why we had continuity of government, COG. And there's actually layers of COG. There's continuity of government. There's continuity of something else. I don't remember. And that's 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 within continuity of government. And then like the most classified one is funny enough called cock, but I think it's continuity of, of constitution or something. It was literally like the values of Western civilization are in a safe somewhere. I mean, that was like the very all else fails, right? Kind of like when they shoot those rovers at Mars and you see the animations of all the different layers coming off. And at the very center, is just a dinky little rover. That was like, I mean, truly, it was like the Constitution, like written language, maybe like a King James Bible or something, and like a couple people that could like teach it, like teach that as well as like the English language to whatever kids were left in this irradiated wasteland. I mean, it was it was brutal, right? It's like you're 
your chair can also be used as a flotation device. It's like you're in the middle of the fucking Atlantic and it's hypothermic waters. But hey, you know what? I'd rather have the inflatable thing than nothing. I don't know. So what Eisenhower realized, well, I mean, FDR, Truman, but we see a lot of it under Eisenhower, I would imagine, because Supreme Allied Commander, five-star general, he saw that this was going to happen in minutes, that, so it wasn't going to be hours that we're going to see bombers coming over, right? And even if they did get here, so not only was it not going to be hours, it was going to be minutes. When they did get here, they weren't going to be dumb bombs, they were going to be thermonuclear weapons and there was no there was no kind of rebuilding so i mean civilization was it was just it was just it was always like five minutes away from going to the stone age i mean truly so he saw the need for the relocation arc now i don't know if that was eisenhower that said it's got to be specifically an arc i I think i just kind of fanboy about Eisenhower. this is all in garrett graff's raven rock i had him on it's my favorite nonfiction book. It's my second favorite book of all time. Everybody knows my favorite book. Not everybody knows. What kind of egotistical douche am I? The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect by Roger Williams. The relocation arc was this, it was just this kind of general array, kind of like an electron cloud of probability of, of bunkers uh, all around D.C., and, um, yeah, if you are looking at this hoodie, it is available in the merch store. It's look at that detail, the waves, the dollars, the stars, the forests, the sunsets, the beaches, the f- leopard hair, the rain. It's just top notch. <laughs> he saw a need for a government. Um, he set up the czar system, the original business czars, which was highly, highly classified, um, that Kennedy dismantled without putting in a replacement to. And it was his business ours were the heads of these different kind of kind of the the movers and shakers of the biggest industries in the United States, and they were going to build a post nuclear war economy that was going to be brutal, but it was like you know again, you want to have the flotation device versus not at least prepare for it, right. We may not have West Point after, but I'd at least rather have Dale, right? And have Dale at least teaching us how to reload, how to, you know, fucking, I don't know, how to cover your tracks, right? You want something rather than nothing. Um, I can't wait till that clip is showed at my eventual trial. Mr. Kerrigan, were you talking about Dale Comstock leading an army of your subscribers? Uh, no, I was not, Your Honor. I was not, no, sir. Guantanamo. <laughs> So the relocation arc was it, it was the entire continuity of government was all of this stuff kind of it was already put aside. You weren't going to rush these bunkers. You had these bunkers staffed. You know, a lot of these things would take they would cost a million dollars a month just to just to keep that kind of like skeleton crew. Um man it gets stuff. That's the one thing about all these all these uh, sound tiles. They act as just like insulators. So I'm going to go turn on the air because I'm in my own fucking apartment and I can do that now. I'll be right back. Yeah, it's like 10 degrees hotter in this little this little this little room. This this little this little hovel this little acoustic hut this little this little hooch A lot of these bunkers would already be staffed with, uh, they'd be staffed. They had generators, they had backup generators, they had reservoirs, they had, uh, like microfiche of all, like the, of whatever city they were in. They, I mean, they would have them outside of Phoenix, outside of major cities, they had these places. Um, they would have backup antennas, they'd have their own, like, uh, some of them, some of the early, early ones in, like, the 50s in, like, Britain, I think they had, uh, uh, they had, uh, you know, they would make sure it was under a hill. They'd build them into a hill for for radiation. You'd have the primary part kind of under even the hill for, like, shock waves. Um, they'd have, like, bicycle-driven radios. So you'd get on, like, a f- fucking gym bike, and you could you could generate the electricity to get on the radio so that you could hear 
uh, that no one else was alive. But you could at least get on the thing and generate some electricity so you could hear the static just to really, you know, realize that you didn't survive. You, you just made it to a tomb. But um, these places would have, I mean, food, cots, medicine, a, a tr- sort of general staff. And as things would, as DEFCON would move, as there'd be different postures. And I can only imagine that there are subsets to DEFCON. Like, I don't think in all of my military genius. I would imagine for continuity of government, they're not waiting just for it to go from DEFCON 4 to 3, 3 to 2. I would imagine that there's got to be some gradation, right? Like 3.1, I feel like you'd want that. Because as things, for instance, uh, when the first COVID cases started coming to the U.S., NORAD buttoned up. Buttoning up means the vault doors close. Uh, perpendicular vault doors. At a, they have, like a, there's like a blast tunnel, and then there's a 90 degree. It's to offset the the force of the blast. Uh, buttoned up, meaning that you are now on. You're cycling your own air. You're not taking outside air. They have all the scrubbers. They have radiological, chemical, biological scrubbers. You're on your own water supply. You're not getting anything from any groundwater in case it's contaminated with radiation. You're buttoned up. You are isolated. Um, they had blue and silver teams. There were these separated teams that had to be quarantined for 14 days before they'd go into their own sort of like bunkers within the bunker. Um, this is all at the end of uh, William Arkin's book, The Generals Have No Clothes. The uh, epilogue is that chapter alone. It could be the opening of a 28 Days Later movie. It's fantastic, but it's true. Um, but as you'd move from different DEFCON levels, these things would start to kind of kick up. Um think after 9-11 they 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 started they kind of moved up the it'd be like um it'd be like how would i say it let's say my apartment was a was a continuity of a party right and let's say some of my friends might be in town maybe i always keep like a Maybe like a like a like a you know like an eighth of weed and like one bottle of vodka or something, right? Um, well, no, all these places no they because they don't refill the supplies. The supplies are, so I'd have whatever. Let's say I'd have ten bottles of vodka, an ounce of weed, and a hundred beers, and a bunch of frozen pizza or something, right? Uh, as we move from DefCon five to four, they said, hey, we might be in the area this weekend. You know, maybe I would make sure that oh, yeah, I have two sleeping bags, the couch pulls out, whatever. Maybe it goes to DEFCON 3. Maybe I take the beer and throw it in the fridge. I throw one of the bottles of vodka in the freezer. DEFCON 2, maybe I'd throw some more in the freezer. Maybe I'd take out the pizza and start letting it thaw. Uh, Maybe I'd pull out the bed. Um, Maybe I'd clean up a little bit. DEFCON 1 would be like they're on their way. I'd start pouring shots. You know, I'd, I'd set some beers and ice. I'd throw the pizza in the oven i'd turn on whatever game i'd you know i'd I'd get the stereo out i'd shower i'd you know you have these different layers and eisenhower understood that you kind of had to have that and there was a core layer that even at defcon 5 the thing was still there there's still some there's duplicates of uh, all the major or important legislature so the supreme court could continue even if all the justices were killed um Man, I'm sure all of my transcripts just get flagged. You know, nuclear war, kill the justices. But, um, so you, you, that was a real, that was, they were ready to survive and they absolutely could have. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Kennedy had a little place built off his, uh, place in Florida. Well, not him, the, the Secret Service said you needed the Navy Seabees built it. I think it was on something called Peanut Island right near the, like, the Kennedy compound, where the fuck their compound was. It was a failed peanut farm. And uh, they built this little corrugated hut under, like, 20 feet of sand, which I guess would would sufficiently shield it from radiation. And it had some bunk beds, some water, generator. Um, Again, the perpendicular tunnels for blast waves. A small kind of mud room. The Cold War mudroom where I had showers, change of clothes to get all the uh, radiological material off you. 
Um, and even that, scrubbers, so it could button up. Even that, I think Peanut Island was only rated for like 72 hours, which they didn't need. It was the United States president. They would have gone down there with uh, fucking three aircraft carriers and an armored division if they needed to. Um, but the point is... is that nuclear war will eventually come for all of us and you're going to want to have a hoodie. You you know, you you don't you don't want to I mean, you don't want to be wearing the same emergency clothes as everybody else cuz it was just it was, it was kind of like like almost like prison uniform like they all had the same clothes. It was just these clothes that existed. So you could change into them because your clothes would have to be burned. You don't want to, I mean, listen, go get a bunker. I'm sure you got a fire extinguisher in your house. Maybe have some water. You want to have some dry food and you want to have a dope hoodie. I mean, so it's, there's a, it's permanently overcast. Nuclear Armageddon. There's no internet. There's no nothing. No one's downloading. Culture has stopped. There are no new fashion trends. The trend is to stay alive and it will be. Whoever has a pair of Yeezys will be the old, will be the superstar. You will be the Kanye. There will be no Twitter, but everyone will be like, "Yo, I saw a guy two towns over who had Yeezys," and everyone, because you all have matching government issued shoes, you'd be like, "Whoa!" And it would that's going to be the new celebrities. Take the bull by the horns. Go get some hoodies. Don't even got to take them out of the plastic. Slip them under your bed. When Armageddon comes, you put one of these on, and you'll be walking through the land. Maybe, maybe for effect, maybe save a copy of the Bible or maybe the Koran or, you know, Harry Potter. And you can walk through the land because I also, I also sell sweatpants. So you could get sweatpants too, just crazy bright colors. And you'll walk through the land. And although most people will be illiterate and there will be simple diseases ravaging the land because penicillin will be more rare than, uh, Californium, the, that, that radioactive oh actually i don't know radioactive might be but the point is is you're gonna want to look like you have style and you want you want to be wearing something like this and it'll give people just enough pause right so like the israelis had these had these rifles and at the end of them they had these pistols and the pistol could kind of maneuver around corners and you had a little screen so you could look around corners and shoot and what they did was they'd actually start to put the Spetsnaz, we're not Spetsnaz, what are the Sayeret, whatever, Kidon, their their assassination unit, they actually put a little uh, kitten, like a little, like a, like a toy kitten on the end of the barrel. Because when you're in the middle of a bombed out city in Iraq, and at eye level, you're all adrenaline up, you know, you know, you're the bad guy, and a kitten turns the corner, it's just enough, that millisecond advantage for you to go, what the fuck, and then they shoot you. When you're wandering through the the ravaged lands of Tallahassee and everyone is killing everyone, you're in these small bands of, of, of revolutionaries or, or survivors, some Mad Max shit, you want to be walking through the land with a bright holographic hoodie and people will look just enough to go, what the fuck? And then your buddies come out and sideline them you know and maybe put some old maybe uh, a recovered piece of iron rebar from a broken cinder block you could put it through the side of their head and then steal their belongings bludgeon the rest to death cook them i don't know maybe they're healthy it's probably some good meat and that's what your hoodie will be and it will be the survival of the fittest and these fit great so Buy some hoodies, you scandalous hoes. So Eisenhower understood that it was going to be very quick and that you had to have a survival bunker, whereas civil defense was this, it was a notion, right? It was the oxygen masks. That mindset carried over into Sprint ABM and that Hey, we're not we're not ringing every city with these because we can't protect every city. So let's let's let's. It's 
I'm trying to think of it now. I've used enough analogies. I was going to say I don't do the whole room with these panels. Instead, I did a little tiny room instead of the whole. But we've already done enough analogies. Buy the buy the hoodies. So instead, we'll just put the Sprint ABM around maybe silos. I mean, that's what's to classify. As they said, they put them around a couple silos. I mean, I would imagine they were probably around like Raven Rock, Mount Weather, NORAD, uh, the Greenbrier Hotel. Is that air on? Yeah, that air's on. And eventually we took them away. So let's now go into what the Sprint ABM was, right? So we, but the point is we want to, you know, instead of putting 10 around Manhattan and being able to block 99% of uh, incoming missiles, why not put 100 of them around NORAD and effectively get 100%? So let's go into Sprint ABM. What do I have a missed call? Hey, it's calling me. Claxton, Georgia. I don't know who you are. And I'm not talking to you. So Sprint ABM. Now, you need to go watch videos of this thing because it looks like it's sped up, but it's not. It's that's actually how fast it went. Sprint ABM was a two-stage, solid-fueled anti-ballistic missile armed with a W-66 enhanced radiation thermonuclear warhead. We're using nukes to take out the incoming nukes. It was designed to intercept incoming re-entry vehicles after they had descended below an altitude of about 60 kilometers, or 37 miles. Hold on, I got low battery on. My screen keeps, uh... My screen keeps shutting off. (sighs) After they had descended below an altitude of about 60 kilometers, 37 miles, where the thickening air stripped away any decoys or radar reflectors and exposed the reentry vehicle to observation by radar. So it's the mask falls off, basically. So now you can see where they are. As the reentry vehicle will be traveling at about five miles or eight kilometers a second, Sprint ABM had to have phenomenal performance to achieve an interception in the few seconds before the reentry vehicle reached its target. So, I mean, really, it really had to, right? Sprint accelerated at 100 Gs, reaching a speed of Mach 10 in 5 seconds. Mach 10, 5 seconds. Such a high velocity at relatively low altitudes, think dense atmosphere, created skin temperatures up to 6,200 degrees Fahrenheit, requiring an ablative shield to dissipate the heat. So it had... It had a coating that was normally reserved for things coming into the atmosphere from orbit to help dissipate the heat and not burn up the... the structure, right? Think of an ablative coating on the X-15. Think of that kind of blunt bottom to the Apollo capsule or the or space shuttle. This had it. This had it <laughs> taking off. It had the reentry shit taking off. The high temperature caused a plasma to form around the missile, requiring extremely powerful radio signals to reach. Okay, the missile glowed bright. Sprint was the centerpiece of the Nike X system. Dude, this little room gets cooking. Take off these slippers. Sprint was the centerpiece of the Nike X, Nike X system, which concentrated on placing bases around large cities to intercept Soviet warheads. We talked about that. The cost of such a system quickly became untenable as the Soviets added more ICBMs to their fleet and Nike X was abandoned. In its place came the Sentinel program, which used Sprint as a last-ditch defense against reentry vehicles that evaded the much longer-range LIM Spartan. So I guess Spartan was one that did did it when they were still in orbit, maybe. So Sprint's kind of like your, 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 it's always faster to, to move to your secondary weapon than reload your primary, right? It's Sprint is for when you're out of amp, pull out the Glock, right? Do your last stand. Sentinel, okay. 
Okay. History, the U.S. Army. <laughs> so, but the point is, the point is, 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 is <laughs> yeah, their flight lasted about five seconds. Now, these things were so insane. These things were so insane. And the craziest part was, is there was a hypothetical weapon that was supposed to work behind Sprint even more uh, last second. Right, like I, I remember learning in Garagraph's Raven Rock, there was actually a clearance above top secret, and it was called Extremely Sensitive Information, ESI. And that was, um, uh, that was, that was which, which, like, commanders in the field were cleared to use nuclear warheads. And I think that information's still classified, and it was from, like, the 70s. And then there was a level above that called Furtherance. This is all real shit. There was a level above extremely sensitized. So we have confidential, we have secret, we have top secret. Above top secret is ESI, extremely sensitized information. Above ESI, I don't think it's even a classification. It was a program called Furtherance. And uh, Kissinger was cleared on it. Um, There's only, I think, a dozen copies of this binder made. They were all kept in the same safe. It was a small circle of people that knew about Furtherance. Furtherance was the the controlled uh, act that Nixon would act like a madman, madman theory. The generals would say a lot of them plausibly believed it because they weren't read in on the furtherance program that Nixon was a madman and they would purposely speak over or they would speak or maybe over unencrypted channels in hopes that the Soviets would pick it up and they'd go oh fuck they're talking about Nixon even the US generals are saying I can't we can't control him he's going crazy he's going to nuke the Soviets the idea was that we scare the Soviets into withdrawing all support from Vietnam it didn't work see that story didn't work um, dun, 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 dun. what is this? Um, so the, 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 the thing, so a point is, is so we have top secret, right? And then, so we have top secret almost be like the Sentinel program. ESI would be Sprint ABM. Furtherance would be, there's something else. Here we go. So this is about the Sprint missile. One, because interception time was crucial, it was, ac- it was found that launching the missile was actually too slow. Silo doors were actually explosively blown off. The missile was shot out of the silo with a explosively propelled piston. Two, because it was going so fast in such low altitudes, they actually ran into the problem of surface skin of the missile, blah, blah, blah. So they added a blade of heat shielding for the missile's body, not for, for, for reentry. Three, because the missile was going so... Did that? Did my screen just pause? Why the fuck would it do that? <sighs> Meaning they had to. Okay. The first stage is the shortest rocket stage ever, lasting a mere 1.2 seconds, but generating 650,000 pounds of thrust, which itself is an achievement to produce that much thrust that quickly. And the missile wouldn't even be at its top speed yet. When the first stage separated, it would be instantly obliterated due to atmospheric drag. From launch, reminder, it's not launch, it's being shot. It's it's shot the fuck out of the silo. So an explosive piston shoots the missile. The the silo doors, they don't open. The silo doors are blown off with explosives. <laughs> and then the first I mean the whole thing is just it's just dialed up to twelve. The firing of the so the <laughs> <laughs> so from launch to the initiation of second stage is less than three seconds <laughs> and it's still accelerating <laughs> Today we can, but, but, but we, my, so this is all 1972 okay and now what is it and actually sprint was a conservative missile there was something even more insane before Sprint came online and was being tested and developed and pressed into service, 
there is a pro- program called Hybex, H-I-B-E-X, Hybus Experimental, which would have had an astonishing 400 Gs of, of acceleration. Sprint has 100. This was going to have 400. And an even lower target altitude interception of 6 kilometers. So there was a level behind Sprint. I mean, and this was in 1972. I mean, does it does it melt does it melt your fucking brain, or am I just am I just stupid that these that these things that aren't actually crazy seem crazy to me because my mind can't handle a normal workload? Is that what it is? I don't think I'm stupid. I don't think I'm intelligent, but I don't think I'm stupid. And I think this is insane. Now, I wanted to, that's my tummy. I wanted to move on to something else. It was called, I believe it was called Marauder. 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 No, it's something from, yeah, Marauder, U.S. Air Force Research Project, yeah. Marauder, magnetic... Magnetically accelerated ring to achieve ultra-high directed energy and radiation. Marauder, M-A-R-A-U-D-E-R, is or was a United States Air Force Research Laboratory project concerning the development of a coaxial plasma railgun. It is one of several United States government uh, efforts to develop plasma-based projectiles. The first computer simulations occurred in 1990, and its first published experiment was on August 1st, 1993. So I was not even two. Hmm, x-ray, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Specifically, the object of the program was to accelerate a toroid of 0.5 to 2 milligrams of plasma. Okay. Let's find the good stuff. And this was to shoot down incoming missiles. Yeah, here we go. The (laughs) plasma... The plasma projectiles would be shot at a speed expected to be 3,000 kilometers per second in 1995 and 10,000 kilometers per second, or 3% the speed of light, by 2,000. It has the energy of 5 pounds of TNT. Again, it's not, the, it's not, it doesn't have, it's not like a nuclear weapon, but the point is, is 5 pounds of TNT, it's, it, you know, it's like having a clean bottle of water out in the middle of the desert there's a premium if there's a target coming in a nuclear weapon coming at your city all you need is five pounds of tnt how do you get it there how quickly do you get it there how accurately can you get it there and is it uh what is the confidence of it what is the uh reproducibility of it (laughs) so yeah current status as of 1993 the project appeared to be the early experimental stages the project's initial success the weapon has the, was able to produce donut shaped rings of plasma and balls of lightning that exploded with devastating thermal and mechanical effects when hitting their target and produced a pulse of electromagnetic radiation that could scramble electronics the project's initial success led to it becoming classified and only a few references to marauder appeared after 1993 and no information has appeared after 1995 which to me just says it fucking exists. It's 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 insane. Now its predecessor. Now unlike Sprint, I should have done this first. Unlike Sprint, where its predecessor was crazier, the Hybex the predecessor to Marauder was not crazier. Marauder actually followed as technology should, that the successor is crazier. Its predecessor was called Shiva Star, originally just called Shiva. At Kirkland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the device was originally built in the 1970s. I mean, I mean, what the fuck? 
The device was originally built in the 1970s for high-power X-ray research. Was later and was later redirected for studies for the was re, little bit. The device was originally built in the 1970s for high-power X-ray research. Was later redirected to studies for the Strategic Defense Initiative (SDI), and is now being used for magnetized target fusion research. Shiva Star was named after the Hindu god Shiva, partly partly because it partly because its prototype originally had four arm four quote arms. It later got six quote arms. Um, for everybody watching, there is an image of it. Come on, I won't focus on it. it. It's, I mean, it looks crazy. It's just, just Google Shiva Star. It, it, I mean, it. This looks like some. I mean, in the nineteen, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the shit from the the B rated movie, where this is in the basement of the Pentagon, and it's you've just been classified. Not even the president knows about this, right? Space propulsion. This led to the Shiva in 1971. Are you kidding me? As of 1974, it had four hell explosion bubble with the capacitor. Banks 1979, 82. Shiva star. Jesus Christ. Another upgrade followed in 1982, adding two more capacitor banks, therefore changing the shape from a cross to a star, resulting in the Shiva star device. Shiva star was also used as a dense plasma focus driver in the mid-1980s and as an experimental magnetic driver for conventional projectiles in the late 80s. And now it goes on to, to, uh, to Marauder. I mean... I mean... What is this? Linus? It's experimental fusion power by the United States. I've never read about this. Let's uh let's go for a walk. Let's fucking uh let's pull our belts up high. That doesn't make sense. Let's tighten our belts and pull our pants up high, our pantaloons. The Linus program was an experimental fusion power project developed by the United States Naval Research Laboratory in nineteen seventy one. The goal of the project was to produce a controlled fusion reaction by compressing plasma inside a so it looks like, well, it was probably going to be like an engine. So, okay, the use of liquid. The concept was revived in the early 2000s. Project Fate. This isn't interesting to anybody listening. You're just listening to me read right now. You're probably not listening for that purpose. Um, Nova late. Oh, fuck, there's a bunch of stuff. We'll go into that later. I know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys listen for the condensed shit. So... Now, what are the implications of this? What are... <clears throat> you, be, you may be saying to yourself, Tommy, none of this is related. And, uh... Oh, it's raining outside. I was wondering, how can I hear it so clearly? It's because this room is so... so quiet. Now, what are the implications of this? And I think there are implications. Sprint ABM, Hybex, Shiva Star, Marauder. And this is what's declassified. And this is what's from, I mean, the most recent thing would be Marauder. Went dark in 95. So the most recent thing is 26 years ago. And they were shooting stuff at 3,000 kilometers a second. I mean... I mean... So I think it's definitely safe to say... Now, is that even that much then? So would we not just then say... Okay, so okay, let's play devil's advocate, Tommy. Maybe this isn't as special as we're thinking. We know that lasers, that laser weapons are coming into, they are used on on, on Navy ships today, and that's speed of light. 3,000 kilometers a second is nothing, right? The advanced Marauder was supposed to be able to go at 3% the speed of light. Well, fuck 3%, give me 100. Okay, okay, maybe it's not as sexy as I thought it was. Maybe Maybe it's just lasers. Yeah, speed of light. Yeah, I, I just don't, I, 
I feel like the missile program that like that's I mean it's obviously real. I mean we use it on battlefields, like that's the classify you can find videos of it on YouTube, the Iron Dome in Israel. But man, I, I would imagine for something like the White House, NORAD. I mean, you know they've just gotta have lasers. What else what, what, what else would you right? Speed of light. And this always comes back to this podcast is just going to turn into a schizophrenic ASMR channel me and uh, my god I've slowly built my own my own insane asylum I already make my own hoodies they're basically straight jackets and I'm in my padded room I played myself I played myself I built myself into the asylum where I belong. This always comes back to my argument that we're 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 so concerned with these these insane speeds, which we should be re-entry vehicles, the distances between nations. But there's sort of this. There's sort of this this escape clause, and it's the third dimension. And it's kind of the escape clause that I argue is the fourth dimension, right? Um, it you know work ethic. How do you how do I have four? This is episode four hundred thirty three. When I try to at, sometimes I'll try to get the episode number up. And I'll just really start fucking burning the wick at both ends. And I'll burn myself out. I'll do two episodes a day for, you know, ten days. And it's so much effort. And I'm so tired at the end of it all. And I've only got 20 more episodes. And it just barely even makes a dent. You're like, what? That went from 340 to 360? It just, it's, meh. When I put in still decent work. Still do an episode, got to edit it, got to process it, up, upload it, put it on the hard drives, got to get a good night's sleep, got to be well, got to be well read. It's still relatively, it's easy in comparison to doing two a day or three a day, but you, you use the fourth dimension to your advantage. Um, let me see how I'm trying to explain this. <sighs> my entire podcast library was a bubble right I've got the stick I've got the film putting a lot of effort into the bubble is blowing as much as I can into this bubble to the point where I'm lightheaded and maybe if I really put some effort into it I can get it to the size of a basketball maybe a beach ball before I black out right or you can take into fourth dimension which is time. Again, work really hard, do two episodes a day for 10 days and you burn out after 20 episodes or you do one a day, very doable, it's a very maintainable pace and you just get lost in the sands of time. Blink your eyes, started the podcast December 12th, 2019. Today is May 3rd, 2021. You just kind of blink. Well, we're coming up on, right? Um, no, in June will be 18 months. Coming up on 18 months of the podcast. So we're at 17 months right now, right? 16 months, three weeks. Just doing an episode a day, it, 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 I never really feel like I'm burning myself out. I push myself to a, to a healthy limit. I definitely work hard. I try not to stay complacent. But I don't burn myself out. And I'm at 433 episodes versus burning myself the fuck out and you can get knocked out 20 in 10 days and then you can't do them for a week because you're so tired it it there's this it's another dimension right you, you don't try to do a lot in one day you do a little bit and then just but you do that repetitively and you let it just build and build and build it's it's another dimension so it would be like the bubble, blowing on the bubble, getting it really big. Am I going to blow on it forever? Or 
every day do I come back to the bubble and just, just a little bun. But do that for 433 days. The bubble's going to be the size as this fucking apartment building. And, but subjectively, it doesn't feel like that. There's just another dimension. So with, with, with missile defense and offense, mind you, there's always the offense. There's the double-edged sword. It's not a cleaver. Is there's another dimension, literally and figuratively. When we look at you know how fast can our ICBMs go, or our hypersonic cruise missiles, or our, our Marauders, our Toroid Shiva Stars, our Sprint ABMs, our Hypex missiles. Those are all, I mean, they're fantastic. But there's a much easier way to get the same insanity. And it's orbit. So I don't know why my mouth is so dry. Knees, weak arms are sweaty. No, wait. Palms are sweaty. My arms are sweaty. Jesus Christ. And what it is, is it's putting something in orbit. So, if so, let's forget the whole laser aspect. Let's just say we took an existing missile, right? Let's just say we took a, a fucking whatever. Uh, yeah, just a missile. Let's say we took a dumb bomb. Like a World War II dumb bomb. No, fuck. We'll just say a comparable missile. Just a missile. Think of like a, just a missile. Just a, shoot it at a rocket launch or whatever. You take the most advanced thing, right? A Sprint ABM, a Hybex, and it's got a, it, the, the piston explodes, the silo roof explodes, the thing shoots out and it explodes and it's the whole thing's burning up and re-entry ablation and da, 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 da. And it can intercept in, you know, however many seconds. Cool, got it, good. And it can travel so many thousands of miles so quickly. And this is the analogy I used with my buddy Paul Whitcomb the other day. Is the International Space Station sits at about 220 miles above us. We're roughly... I should probably do the math on that to make sure I'm not just spewing stupid incorrectness. It's 1,161,600 feet above us. We'll call it a million feet. Airliner goes 35,000, U-2, 70,000, SR-71, 85,000, Tagboard, the as the D-21 drone that they shot off of the SR-71, sometimes it break 100,000, X-15, big dick player, 315,000, a million, international, a million, it's up there, we all agree on that, it's up there. In terms of distances, though, when we look at altitude, you know, it's all it's all perception, right? It's all, what is it? Is it... How do I say this? Is 10 pounds a lot? Is 100 pounds a lot? Well, for what? Is it a 100-pound baby? That's a lot. Is it a 100-pound speaker? That's really heavy. Uh, it's a... The fridge is 100 pounds. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, we can carry that. It's only 100 pounds. My backpack is 100 pounds. Jesus, what do you have in the... It's all... It, it's Is it or is it? Is it not a lot or is it a lot? There's only 5,000. What was only 5,000? There's only $5,000. What was my phone? Jesus Christ, how much was it? Oh, it was my car. It was only 5,000. Oh, what a steal. Perception. A million feet. 1,161,600. Is that what it was? Correct, it was. That's a, that's a big old altitude, right? Here's a big boy. What about distance? So it's 1,160,600. That's a lot. It's a lot of what? It's a lot of feet. Well, what is it? Altitude. Jesus, that's three times higher than the SR and then the X15. Jesus Christ, that's high. It's 1,160,600. What is it? Distance. What? Between our our missile silo and, and their city. Oh, that's that's nothing. That's next door. Right? Because if it's if it's if if the Titan II has a five thousand mile range, if the Minuteman has a seven thousand mile range, 
If Curtis LeMay's B-36 Strategic Air Command wings had a range of 10,000 miles carrying 10,000 pounds of, right? Yeah, 10,000 pounds of explosives. That's a lot, right? 10,000 miles <clears throat> for the B-36, 7,000 for the Minuteman, 5,500 for Titan II. 220 miles? That's nothing. So for distance, that's nothing. For altitude, it's insane. For distance, it's nothing. Well, don't think about left, right, east, west, up, down. Don't think about that. Just think of it as a value between two points. Between this point and this point. It doesn't matter if these are on the same lip on the same plane it doesn't matter if it's that far above you that far under you it's just that distance between you well if the point of interest is i don't know moscow or or better yet uh, a, a soviet missile silo or a or a a chinese nuclear submarine pen or an Iranian nuclear facility that's that's point A point B is we where we are launching our weapon from are we launching our weapon from 5,500 miles away are we launching it from 7,000 miles away are we on a destroyer with a railgun shooting 250 miles away or are we 220 miles away? Don't think about up, down, left, right. Are you? It, don't think about are you on the ocean? Are you under the ocean? Are you a plane? Just distance. It's just the same distance. 220 miles is nothing. Now, what's that quote? It's like madness is trying to build a city on top of it's like madness is trying to build a city on top of the highest mountain genius is building the best city on top of the highest mountain it's some weird it's some weird (sighs) my mouth is so dry today it's some weird thing About how, like, if an endeavor is crazy, then be the craziest, right? Like, nuclear war is crazy, but if we're going to do nuclear war, let's build a command and control bunker under a fucking mountain and call it NORAD. Like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Sending a man to space is crazy, but if we're going to do it, let's go go whip around in a rover on the moon. Like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Building an atomic bomb is crazy, but if we're going to build an atomic bomb, let's build a thermonuclear just monster. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna build a living space fifteen hundred feet above Manhattan, are you just gonna put a? It's crazy enough. What you want to put a, a a bed and a bathroom and running water and a TV and a couch a thousand feet above Times Square? Yeah. Well, if we're going to do it, let's not just put a bedroom. Let's put a what? A penthouse. Let's make a kingdom. You're going to build a what? A skyscraper. Well, if you're going to build it, let's build it in, in the middle of a fucking city. Right? So, if we're going to do an orbital weapon 220 miles away, Let's not do a dumb bomb. Let's not do a cruise missile. Let's not let's not do sprint or hybex. Let's not do Marauder or Shiva Star. Let's do a laser. Or directed energy. Let's do light speed. Let's do the fastest possible weapon from the shortest possible distance. On hundreds of different platforms in a sphere around the globe instantaneous strike 
That is my thesis for why United States Strategic Command has an orbiting platform of directed energy weapons around the entire planet that can strike anything instantaneously. And that is today's solo rant. There exists a directed energy weapons platform in a sphere around the planet. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. God bless.